Uh, right, hello uh, everybody and welcome to today's podcast. Uh, my name is Adrian Boothy, I'm the head of trading here at TrendSignal and today uh, in the TrendSignal podcast we're going to be talking about easing the lockdown ahead of what is possibly, probably um, going to be more of a night tipped uh, recovery hello, hello. at the moment. Yep, hello, Jerry. Hello. Uh, right, hello uh, everybody and welcome to today's podcast. This is Adrian Boothy here. I'm the head of trading at TrendSignal and today in the Trends Trading Podcast we're going to be talking about the easing of the lockdown ahead of what is probably, possibly uh, going to be more of a Nike ticked uh, recovery but we're going to talk about that a bit later on and I'm joined as ever uh, by our Chief Market Analyst um, Jerry Miller. Hi Jerry. Yeah, morning all, morning. Hi, um, surviving, you still uh, still fit and well I hope? Uh, uh, yep, cough free. Yep, all uh, all good. Um, even barring any problems with my uh, new uh, PC and not so uh, super fast broadband, but there we go. First world problems, uh, I guess. Yeah, well, makes you wonder. Does make, quite, uh, quite, makes you wonder what, quite what the problem would have been if where the internet had gone down for a couple of months. That would have been. Uh, God, yeah, that would have been that. That would have just kiboshed everything. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, well, look, there's a lot going on um, at the moment, as ever. In the last week or so, there's been uh, quite a bit, but as well, some some of the countries starting to ease their lockdown, um, lockdown plans, starting to talk about returning to work and so on. Uh, so, Jerry, do you want to kick us off um, and let us know a little bit about what's what has been going on there? Yeah, okay. Uh, well, last week, um, as you know, if you look at a, a chart on the S&P, you can see that it started pretty well last week. and The markets had a nice old uh, uh, move up, uh, but it all started to peter out, didn't it, on Thursday and Friday. And we had uh, some not too great um, um, corporate results. We're, we, we're talking about the first quarter earnings season. We've had some uh, results out of the UK that weren't good, banks struggling, um, uh, I think Shell slashing their dividend, I know BP still maintaining theirs, I think they've cut it a bit, um, and now we've got BT this week, so the, the, it's just that the guidance isn't good, Adrian, uh, and mm. we all sort of, were, I mean, I for one have looked at the S&P and have been thinking, why, how on earth? Has it done so well? Bearing in mind, most economies are falling off the edge of a cliff, and we can see that when we yeah. start to look at the data coming out this week. But so last week, bit of a problem, all given back in the last two days, Thursday and Friday last week. Of course, I guess the first, thing, Jerry, uh, is that first, um, I mean, we we talked about how impossible it is to value stocks, but the problem with a, a broad index like this is that you know what's what you're not seeing is which companies are doing well and which companies are doing badly because it's the broad side so whilst you've got companies like amazon doing rather well um you've got um other companies in here having a total disaster and so it's not always yeah. really that um doesn't demonstrate it all that as, as clearly as you might think uh, is really what i'm trying to say yeah no no, no you're right so that, that that you're referring to market breadth and that's mm. where a lot of companies are all part of the uh, rally, if, if you know what I mean. But in fact, it's been dominated by the super techs, the likes of Amazon. If you look at Amazon stock prices we did a couple of weeks ago, it's gone through the roof. And of course, uh, you know, the, the amount of Amazon packaging in my barn uh, is testament to how busy we've all been buying online because that's the only way we can acquire goods. We can't go out anymore, uh, apart from going to the 
for, to the supermarkets, of course. So, uh, you know, Microsoft has done very well. A lot of the tech companies have done well. But of course, the majority of companies are struggling and there's been some real casualties along the way that, uh, in manufacturing, certainly the car manufacturers, the airlines. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good. Definitely not going to yeah. be good. And well, there's been a lot yeah. of talk about the airlines, isn't there? I mean, obviously, the, you know, in terms of you know, we've spoken a lot ourselves about how much whether we'd go on holiday later this year, whether we wouldn't. And I think really, I think even you know, I'm a, a little bit uh, younger than you, but I still I, I don't think I'll be going away. And they're talking about how now in the UK, two week quarantine period for anyone coming into the UK. Well, who's going to travel to the UK when they have to quarantine for two weeks? I don't know if that's self-isolation, whether they're going to be ferried to a local hotel in Heathrow or something but either way no that would be self-isolation actually yeah but the types yeah. of people that are going to be coming in numbers to the UK are going to be you would think holiday makers uh, or you know or tourism business and uh, business but, but either way yeah. you don't want to be isolated for two weeks if you're doing that okay if you're returning to yeah. the UK because you've been traveling but you're actually English British whatever then that kind of makes sense but it's not going to work for anyone else is it Really? That's that's only a limited number of travellers, Adrian. To be honest, of course it is. Um, yeah, and a lot of them. No, but it's it, 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 last week about it. So, yeah, yeah. But it, but it's interesting. Uh, we we we've talked about the easing and the lockdown um, across Europe, uh, and you've certainly started to see uh, it's it beginning in Italy. Uh, certainly, uh, tentative signs. Anyway, uh, if you remember, Italy was one of the first. Western countries to go into lockdown was hit really badly in the northern regions of Veneto and Lombardy. Um, and they've been in lockdown for eight weeks. So they're two weeks ahead of us. Uh, and they've started to relax some of the conditions. But, you know, it's going to be a long old uh, haul um, back up again. And um, I, I, I think, you know, we've talked about airlines and how difficult it is going to be for those, regardless of whether, you know, the Italians have got a, a furlough scheme like we have here in the UK, where they're paying 80% of um, businesses that can't uh, pay, afford to pay their staff. They're paying for those costs like we, we are in the UK. Uh, but it was interesting. I listened to um, this um, podcast last night um, on the BBC and they were just saying that the airlines are going, uh, are not, are going to struggle. They're going to see a complete collapse in demand. It'll only gradually recover over years, not not weeks or months like it will with a lot of industries. So they have to shed jobs regardless of whether they've been furloughed or not for the past couple of months. The government can't afford to furlough the whole of the airline industry for years. And so the likes of British Airways, probably EasyJet, Ryanair have to consider cutting their headcount by up to 30 percent or more yeah. well I, I i can see i can see absolutely see that and i think a lot of people have already made a decision probably not to go on holiday this year so in which case you know what are they doing they're, they're going to allocate their funds another way maybe they're going to redo their patio they're going to do something else some some sort of home refurbishment or something uh, a new kitchen that's the sort of thing that people will be spending their money on for the next year and uh, maybe we'll go on holiday the following year but yeah, it's going to be uh, well it's, it's it's possible people might go on holiday in the UK, but you know I've looked at it already. And if you want to rent a house or a cottage, none of the hotels are open. You risk paying for it and not getting your money back. 
Uh, some yeah. of them have got sort of 60 day cancellation policies. That's two months. If you're trying to book mm. a holiday in August, well, you're going to cancel it in June because you're not sure you're never going to book it in the first place. So I do think that, um, you know, depending on how these restrictions are going to be lifted here in the UK, and you, you were referring to that as an article in the FT about the draft rules laid out for UK workplaces to ease lockdown. But I just think hospitality, the likes of hotels and pubs and stuff, they're going to be the last you know, to be uh, unlocked. Cinemas. I mean, are you going to go to a cinema or a pub? <laughs> yeah, gonna... I mean, you know, I, I, we, there's a couple of my friends who thought it's um, a wonderful idea to buy Cineworld uh, shares. I just think, really? Maybe, maybe, maybe it will be uh, in 10 years to come, but it's not the first uh, name on my list. Uh, that's for sure. No. Well, everything has got its sort of attractive price, I guess. If they've been beaten up so much, um, maybe there's, there's, there's uh, it's a one-way bet, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, but anyway, films now they're, they're they're doing streams instead. So there was a, I can't remember which film it was now, but you know it, it was supposed to come out a couple of weeks ago, but they did it as a live stream. So instead of actually having to go to the cinema, you know these these film companies yeah. will start thinking of different ways, and maybe people won't need yeah, to go to the cinema yeah, to watch the latest releases universal. now. Yeah, yeah, I think just, that was a universal buy uh, for recollection age, and I think because of that, some of the cinema chains are now boycotting Universal because they said it's it's undermining their business model. But of course, they've each got their businesses to look after. If Universal have spent all this money making a film and the cinemas aren't open, you think, well, the logical step is to release it uh, as a stream. Yeah. They've got to get a return yeah, somehow. And, you know, actually, one of the companies yeah. reporting their earnings this week is uh, Walt Disney. And, of course, they launched their Disney, Disney Plus streaming yeah. service uh, last, what, November in the US uh, and about a month or six yeah. weeks ago uh, in the in the UK. So I think that'll be obviously they've taken quite a big hit, um, but it'll be interesting to see how they get on and what their numbers are like, uh, really. Yeah. I, I mean, I they, quite they, if they get anywhere near. Yeah, I think if they get anywhere near Netflix, that'll go some way to offsetting the collapse in revenues from all their theme parks, which is which is just catastrophic, of course. Yeah. Um, but but, but it, it does bring us on, obviously, to Adrian. I know you mentioned about the um, the recovery. What shape of recovery we we're going to experience in the Western world? And when we talk about shape of recovery, we're talking about the market has collapsed. Economy has just gone into complete free fall. And we'll get onto the numbers in a second. Can. Will it recover immediately like a V, i.e. straight down, sharp point at the bottom, then straight back up again? A little bit like the stock market has been. But actually, the stock market, I do believe, is probably not representing reality at the moment, more uh, the um, overwhelming effects of central bank and um, government largesse that's helped to try and smooth things out. But I think the reality is probably going to hit home to the markets in the coming months. And I think this recovery, as we were discussing and have discussed in past weeks, U-shaped. But even that suggests the market's gone down, the economies have collapsed, they bumble along the bottom bit and then go back up again. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be, it goes down and then gradually recovers. And I think we descri described it as the, as the, like the Nike tick, uh, and I think that's it, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it certainly makes yeah. it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I was there's a guy I was listening to on the um, on the radio this morning who was, you know, just talking about the various provisions. He was in the car industry, I think, and he was talking about the various provisions that are available for loans and so on to, to you know that they can get. But 
he made a, a really pertinent point that it's not a grant, it's a loan. So, you know, you've no. got to think about how you can then pay that loan back. It's all well and good being able to stay afloat, but then he's going to say, well, actually, maybe we can't pay that loan back in the next six months, 12 months, three years, whatever. I don't know what the, the term might be, in which case, you know, is he just going to be insolvent in the future? You know, is he just kicking the can down the road, as it were? Um, it's, mm. well, and and, and, and businesses can only get loans if if they pass muster with the, the lender of course the government's now backing it 100 percent, and i think the banks are not charging any interest for the first year but as you say it's still a liability you're borrowing money yeah you know i mean interest aside and interest is quite low these days anyway and i think uh, some of the banks are charging just two and a half percent um after a year but even so that's still you know it's still a debt it's a liability and i think you're quite mm. right you know that's something that businesses have to work out. Is this a sensible step to take or should I reorganize my business so that we're a lot leaner and able to survive? Uh, but uh, I, I, I think the fact is, Adrian, you mentioned the car industry. Have you, I mean, uh, I've got a five-year-old car and a, and a, and a nearly a six-year-old car. I should normally look, consider buying, you know, swapping them in after five years, but there's not a chance in hell, not not actually because I can't afford one, but how am I going to go and see a garage? And It's the last place I'm going to want to go. It seems the least important thing to me, put it yeah. that way. Well, ironically, my car is actually, um, so my three-year uh, initial term before the balloon is is due in the next couple of months for me. So it's actually something I've been looking at, and I called a couple of people last week thinking there might be some pretty incredible deals around, but there actually aren't. Uh, not at this point, anyway. Maybe I'm calling the wrong people. Uh, Get in touch, info at, <laughs> if you have yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 just, you know I, I just wonder. Uh, really, there's got but to the, be there will be deals, but there will be deals. There will be deals in the property market. If you're looking at property transactions, no one's selling a property. So for that mm. reason, all the properties that are, are, are for sale on the likes of Zoopla and um, Rightmove, they're the same prices they were back in February. No one's going to cut their prices at the moment because you can't you can't view a property anyway. You can't go and see a yeah. uh, an estate agent. Yeah. So I, I but I just think those industries that those sectors, gosh, they're going to struggle. I really think uh, I don't think so. Uh, airlines, car manufacturing, car companies generally, uh, it's uh, well, Carha. That's another thing. Gosh, you know. It's uh, they're all going to be in a different, completely different world. Uh, the well, new the norm as well. Is, well, well, that's right. And you know, we've talked ourselves about you know whether whether we'd end up doing a bit more working from home and maybe you know the, the, the our employees and so on would would do something you know we'd, we'd we'd have more of that. In which case, people need less cars anyway, or they're not going to spend as much on a car because they're not going to be using it as much. You know, is the yeah. is the economy suddenly going to go from X percent to three X or four X working from home? I don't know, but that that would have an impact on on uh, on cars for sure. So, so certainly, office uh, working those rules as that have been drafted by uh, the UK and are going to be announced by Boris Johnson at the latter part of this week. I'm sure it's going to be include social distancing you're not going to be able to sit next to someone or opposite someone they're going to have to, desk, desks are going to have to be reorganized um there are a lot of industries uh, manufacturing industries where you know there, there's quite a bit of distance between workers but it's office workers are going to have to be careful and i can see how it could happen adrian but businesses are going to have to have i don't know half the people at home 
uh, for one week and half the people at work and then swap round. Uh, but I think generally pe people would like to meet up and see their colleagues, uh, assuming it's safe. And of course, there is a liability on businesses to make sure they provide the necessary safety precautions, which may mean um, businesses having to get hold of um, face masks in significant quantity that actually could disrupt disrupt the supply of PPE equipment to hospitals. So government got to be careful what they what they request and 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 demand from businesses. But I'm sure we'll get there in the end. But it's uh, it's going to be a gradual process because you know look at our businesses. We've we've never done this sort of thing, so it's all new to us, and it'll be new to a lot of businesses how they cater for um, their staff whilst keeping these social distancing rules in place. Otherwise, business owners could be liable. You know, that's, uh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so what about then for the markets? Um, so we've seen some some not too big move in the end uh, last week. Do you want to go through those on the indices first, Jerry? Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't. Um, in the end, uh, the U.S. markets, yeah. I think the Dow was marginally off about 40 points. The S&P 500, which is the broadest index that everyone follows, that was hardly anything, about six points, which is only about um, a fifth of one percent. Uh, the German market was one that looked to appear to have done well. If you look at the, the chart on the JER uh, 30 or the DAX, um, I think you've got the four-hour chart there, but if you look at yeah. the daily chart, uh, you, you can see, because the market was shut on Friday, and you can see what happened to the FTSE. The FTSE had a, an appalling day on Friday, a complete um, engulfing candle where it uh, um, um, managed to, uh, yeah, you've got the four-hour there. but No, uh, I know that. Um, it, 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 it completely consumed the previous day's candle, uh, and... Um, it just looks quite, just looked pretty bad, really. But the FTSE ended up just 55 points down on the week, which is only 1%. But the DAX, on the surface, 365 points to the good, which is what about three and a half percent. But when you look at it now, it, you can see exactly where the DAX mm -hmm. would have been Friday, a lot, lot lower. So it's gapped lower, which is much, pretty much in line with what the US had done on Friday. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so a bit of risk off. Um, Investors, traders starting to question um, the performance of the um, uh, world stock markets over the last um, sort of two or three weeks. Um, but uh, um, anyway, um, other markets as well. Um, but of course, a lot of stuff that's happening is down to sort of earnings. Uh, um, uh, and I think that the move this morning, Adrian, I know you mentioned the spat between the Chinese and the Americans mm. that's sort of brewing up. Um, I. I think these US-China tension fears, as the, as the FT's called it, is partly manufactured in what is an election year in the US. And I think it's a great way of distracting the uh, American people from uh, the rather sort of uh, poor job that the White House and Donald Trump have, have made of uh, combating this um, spread of the virus in the US. Trump almost sort of supporting the Republican states that are, are protesting against the lockdown, which is, is bizarre for the president of the United States to engage in. But uh, no, I think these tensions are designed to show that uh, the US administration is uh, going to deal with uh, China robustly, if anything has to be dealt with China, as it were. Just but it, it's else. more like, yeah, and it's more likely to demonstrate that perhaps they're tougher on 
on these issues than Joe Biden is. Remember, it's an election year. We've got November coming up. Uh, well, let's face it, it was, that, it was that rhetoric which probably got him into the White House with the, um, with the, uh, the, the Mexican wall in the first place, uh, probably, wasn't it? And You're right. All that sort of, You're right. You're right. That sort of, that and sort and of it's funny, Trump support, yeah, Trump supporters tend to look past um, his ridiculous comments about injecting um, uh, disinfectant and ridiculous comments like that. They don't hear those, but they do hear the what's good for America and America's people uh, and to be strong in the world. The fact that he's an isolationist and is Trump and Trump's behavior is just extraordinary uh, to most people outside the US and to a lot of people inside the US, certainly the Democrats, that's for sure. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, other, other markets um, along with the uh, sort of outperformance of equities up until Thursday, Friday, the dollar was starting to lose a bit of ground. So we can see the, the euro uh, rallying quite sharply uh, from Tuesday mm. onwards, um, which is just a little bit of a risk on, as it were, um, people mo get moving out of uh, the dollar. Um, so the euro, what, it's just over two cents, isn't it? There? So that's just shy of 2% move on the uh, euro. So that's a very good move. Sterling, didn't do quite so well. There's some pretty um, bad numbers out uh, of the UK, uh, and with our, um, you know, uh, mortality rate and virus spread uh, a couple of weeks behind uh, the likes of uh, Southern Europe, and, and nothing like as good as Germany. We we struggled a little bit, and the UK market didn't do so well. Of course, so Sterling, that reflects uh, in sterling, so about one and a quarter percent there. And the other market we I also look at dollar yen. That also reflects the weaker dollar uh, last week. Um, yeah. Gold market, um, $31 down uh, last week. But actually, when you look at gold, um, it's still done rather well, um, despite its complete swoon in March when everyone rushed to liquidate positions to pay for just to get it, get into cash. Uh, the gold market, I think, probably represents where the risk uh, sort of uh, is in the market. And a lot of people... Mm -hmm have invested or bought gold as a hedge, as some sort of safe haven play. Uh, but it's it's just not something I interests me too much. Uh, it's a great, great market to trade, Adrian, but as an investment, and that's not something we uh, talk about really, but it, uh, as an investment, it, it doesn't pay you a dividend. It doesn't pay you a return. Yeah. You've got to insure it. You've got to finance it. Uh, you've got to store it. it, it it's when it goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong. But I think it represents where it probably should be, you know, up, up towards the highs of its um, recent range. So uh, yeah, doing all right. Interesting, there. interesting chart. Those of you watching it on the uh, on the video side, that the sort of recent pullbacks we've had in April and then one just a few days ago, 30th of April, there both heavily against the trend, of course. And you know, you look at the arrows on the far left-hand side of the chart, the weekly trend up, the monthly trend up, which is really suggesting that um, whilst this market might fall, any falls are likely. To to be very shallow um, and or the probability is they're going to be shallow so if you're going to take a contra trend trade uh, you should be looking to take profits on them quite quickly and in fact what we tend to go with is something like around about 100 points as a, as a quick uh, in and out uh, like a three-point drop goal if you like in rugby terms so similar thing that's short on the 20th of April that felt about 300 points before it then rallied uh, and then had another uh, leg here falling around about sort of 160, 170 points on the on the fall there, uh, both of which um, hitting our objectives. So whilst they look a bit, mm, actually, they're not bad 
trades. It's just it's just getting into the right mindset. And if once you understand about trends, then actually there's some there's some decent profits to pick up if you know how to um, how to manage those trades more effectively. Um, oil no, had it, some it's... interesting moves, hasn't it, Jerry? As well, though. I mean, obviously we had the the whole uh, below zero last week that we talked about, but there's some interesting buying opportunities too. 28th of April, 29th of April, there um, a bit of a rally there off those lows too. Yeah, oil. I, you, you look at it and you just think, golly, how much worse can it get? And I think we we've made this point over the last three weeks, ever since we um, realised what the OPEC plus a, de a deal was cutting uh, 10 million barrels per day of uh, world production. It's it doesn't really go anywhere near offsetting the 30% collapse in demand, which is and demands roughly about 100 million barrels a day. 30 million barrels less in terms of consumption. Production's cut by 10 million. That's why the market went down. I so think effectively, so what you're the market basically, Jerry, is that we're we're having to store uh, 20 million barrels a day because of the lack of demand. Even though they've cut supply, there's still Correct. 20 million barrels that have got to go somewhere. And the problem was yeah. at the end of the last contract in uh, sort of mid to late June, uh, April, was that there was nowhere left for it to go. <laughs> there was nowhere for Correct. it. And this is the problem. So and there was a lot of oil sloshing around. I yeah, I, I sort of joke it's a bit like that Mr. Bean um, sketch where he goes to order that steak tartare at the restaurant. And he doesn't like it, so he then starts sticking, you know, steak tartare everywhere to hide it all. It's in the salt pot. It's <laughs> under the plate. It's in the it's in the waiter's trousers. It's in the ladies in the table next to it. It's yeah. in the bag. Uh, just kind of yeah. imagine it a little bit like that. Really yeah. stupid. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's a it's a fair point that there is no storage capacity left, and anyone with storage capacity is the people who own storage are the ones that are making money out in the oil um, debacle. Um, traders and uh, producers are, are really struggling. Um, I mean, I say traders. A lot of the traders are aware of that situation. They probably have made those are the professional traders in the who are in the industry. Uh, but for speculators, it's been quite tough. Um, that's if you aren't watching what we're doing because we identified uh, all the uh, major moves. Um, and I, 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 I think for now, I think oil is going to struggle. There's concerns or, or observations that we may be past our peak oil consumption as, 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 a, as a global economy in the development of other renewable sources of energy, um, which was going to happen in a few years' time. But because of this pandemic, the feeling is that we might have reached our maximum oil sort of usage uh, and it's going to decline from here on in so it's going to be a different world for these oil uh, majors and and it's tough for the uk market agent we were talking about it this time last week about um, the likes of bp and shell's um, announcements uh, the fact that bp managed to hold on uh, to its dividend but shell cut it by was it two-thirds uh, mm. I, I think the numbers are real bad and and that's a big problem uh, i think it's it represents something like uh, gosh someone was it something like 12 or 15 percent of uh, income for um, some of these portfolios that depend on the income from uh, uk shares and it's uh, it's a big hit a very very big hit and more hits likely to come not just from oil companies but uh, i think the state of the oil industry is a reason why these dividends are going to be cut. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, okay, is there anything else we need to go through before we talk about the week ahead? Because we've also got a few bits this uh, coming week with non-farm payroll, etc. Yeah, there's quite a bit to go through actually. So it's probably um, yeah, 
we'll give it a bit of time and go start going through it now. Okay, well, let me bring the uh, the calendar up then. So, um, well, look, it's uh, uh, today, pretty quiet today, um, with um, various bank holidays, uh, etc. Um, so, what have we else? What what have we got to look forward to then, Jerry, this week? Yeah, the uh, Japan is on holiday from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. So, um, anyone looking at the Nikkei and wondering why it's uh, fallen or risen, um, it's not moving, it's closed and will be not open again until uh, Thursday. Uh, so because of this May Day uh, celebrations that happen around this time of year, a lot of the markets are closed on Friday, but we would, we ourselves would be uh, closed today with our regular May Day bank holiday. But in fact, as most people know, we've moved that to Friday uh, in observance of the 75th anniversary of the victory in Europe or VE Day. Uh, although there's not a lot of celebrating that could be done really because of the lockdown mm. but anyway so we have a bank holiday on Friday not today. Um, Tuesday um, we kick off uh, with the first sort of important announcement on the week with the Reserve Bank of Australia's uh, uh, monthly uh, policy meeting. Uh, no chance of any change in rates, a uh, quarter of a percent the um, Australian economy. It's done well they, they, they certainly managed to contain the pandemic better than other countries, along with the likes of New Zealand. There's talk of having some sort of travel pact with New Zealand, uh, but uh, um, certainly nothing expected from um, uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia in terms of rates, but their statement uh, may include some sort of talk about what's going to happen in the future, so a bit of guidance or forward planning. Uh, but we'll wake up, when we get up on Tuesday morning, it'll all have happened, so you'll see those um, effects on any of the Aussie pairs. Um, Something that's uh, cropped up this week is this German constitutional court ruling, Adrian. Um, we don't know when they're going to make the announcement because courts uh, don't always tell us when they're going to make those announcements. But it's basically um, the European Central Bank, the ECB, they've got this bond buying program where they've had to change it because they're not able to buy enough bonds from the likes of the German sovereign bond market, uh, which are the core bond markets. And this all stems from something called the um, capital key uh, plan for bond buying, which basically dictates that the European Central Bank has to purchase bonds according to the size and population of each country in the Eurozone. And of course, Italy's got a population of, I don't know, is it 45, 43, 45 million, whereas Germany's got a population close on 80 million. Uh, but but what the ECB have decided is to buy more Italian sovereign bonds. Now, the Germans are saying that's not within the uh, remit of the mm. um, European um, uh, Central Bank, the ECB. And so just, to be, just let me interrupt very quickly. So just, just so for the listeners, um, why, uh, why is Europe buying these Italian bonds, just uh, for those that aren't aware? Oh, okay, okay. quantitative what easing. What do they do? Okay, well, first of all, the European Central Bank is trying to help oil the machinery in Europe by providing more cash. And what they do is they buy sovereign bonds. A sovereign bond or any bond is an IOU issued, in this case, by a country, i.e. Italy or Germany or France or the UK, uh, not the UK in terms of Eurozone, um, ECB, but a bond basically is a promise um, to pay the issuer back at the expiry of those bonds. So the German government issues bonds to raise money to uh, operate the government, which means paying for various 
defense, health, etc. And that's what the Italians also do. The Italians have got a massive pile of debt that they've issued over the years. Um, and so it's an obvious market where the European Central Bank could buy those Italian bonds, thus providing cash for those holders of those bonds. So they swap their bonds for cash. The European Central Bank now own those bonds and the cash now is in the system. But the German... So, like, so basically, just to, I mean, it's um, a bit like an interest-only mortgage uh, in a way. So um, they get that cash injection, but they've got to pay it back at some point. Yeah, the, the, yeah that's right. Um, the, these bonds will be held by the central bank until such time that all these conditions change and those central banks can then be put back into the market. Uh, but quantitative easing is going to be around for so long. Uh, but this quantitative easing where the central bank is buying, European central bank is buying more Italian bonds than it should do, is ruffling feathers in Germany. And they've taken the court, taken the issue to the um, constitutional court in Germany to, to rule on whether it should be allowed. And if it's not allowed, it'll, it'll dent uh, the euro. It'll cause a few problems for the stock markets. It'll probably cause the differential between the German Bund and the Italian BTP, the respective sovereign bonds that operate that, uh, issued in each country. Uh, you'll find that the German Bunds will probably rally and the Italian BTPs will probably fall. Mm. Um, but it's a technical thing. We don't trade them, Adrian, but it's interesting to know because this could have an effect on the euro, which is something we do trade, and the DAX and other European indices as well. So it's something that will be, um, uh, the market will take note of it when the Constitutional Court gives its ruling uh, tomorrow. And we can't bl blame, it's nothing to do with the German Central Bank, the Bundesbank. It's just part of the process that happens in Germany. And uh, they, they want to make sure it, the, the whole status quo is kept the way it was designed and that bond purchases are done according to the size and population of each country and not arbitrarily decided by the European Central Bank. Yeah, well, fair enough, I guess. Isn't a it? big subject. Um, it's a little, it's a little yeah. bit technical anyway, but uh, there we go. Um, otherwise, uh, Tuesday, we've got the uh, non-manufacturing PMI data coming out of the United States. Um, non-manufacturing uh, uh, means services. Uh, they always give it this weird name. Uh, we call it services, so, so does the rest of Europe. But it's a, a measure of um, how badly the um, service sector in the US is doing. Uh, anywhere below 50, as we know, is a bad number. Gosh, look at that, Adrian. Bring up that chart. Yeah. It's just horrific. Absolutely horrific. So the forecast for this month is down below 40. So that brown dot right on the far bottom, that's it, just there. Horrendous. I mean, 37 and a half. I mean, so 50 really, is the status quo. So in other words, if it goes from 50 down to 37.5, I guess you can double that in percentage terms. Yeah. So that's a, yeah, a, a yeah. contraction of 26%, I suppose. Oh, it's, it's just horrendous. It's horrendous. The, you, you, you would always expect the um, service sector to be doing well in the US, and then indeed it always has done, even, even coming out of the financial crisis, it recovered fairly quickly. But this is just, off, even off that Richter scale, it's, it's horrendous. Mm. Um, Wednesday, we'll better rattle through this a bit. Um, yeah. Um, we've got, um, okay, so it's unemployment week. Um, we used to call it employment, the uh, US employment numbers, but now it's the US unemployment numbers because it's, um, 
we couldn't get the number out last week. They only had a day, the Bureau of Labor Statistics in the US to release the data. But we're looking at the weekly data, Adrian, which is not, so, so we're looking at the unemployment claims. Those are the initial claims, which come out at one third. That's the ones you've highlighted there. And as you can see, 3,000,000, that's 3 million claims. And um, last week it was 3.839 million claims. Anyway, going back to Wednesday, um, ahead of the monthly data, so what you've just highlighted is the weekly data. We've got the monthly reading by a private payroll company called ADP, and even them, they're, they're calling for, that's 2,000,000 000, jobs. Adrian, that's 20, 20 million. 20,000, yeah, it's 20,000,000, yeah, 20 million. No, 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 that's 200,000, uh, sorry, yeah, 20,000,000, which is 20 million. So 20 million, claims uh, following 27,000 last month. Uh, but we know it's gone off the Richter scale because we'll be looking at the um, non-farm payroll data on, fri on Friday just in a, in a couple of minutes. So that's a fall of 20 million jobs basically over the last month uh, from that private payroll company. And of course, the main Correct. data announcement, uh, more official one is uh, this one here on Friday at 1.30, which of course yeah, will be during is... our bank holiday, won't it? It'll be E-Day. Yeah, that's right, which is 21 million. Uh, that's correct. So anyway, so the first one comes out on Wednesday. It tends not to move the market too much because it tends to be a little bit erratic uh, from the official statistics, but uh, people will still take note of it's really off the Richter scale. Um, Thursday, well, we talked about it's sort of super Thursday for the UK markets. We're getting everything uh, from um, the Bank of England, uh, their monthly policy meeting. Obviously, we're not getting any rate move, we're down at 0.1%, so uh, not much chance of anything happening there. But there is um, discussion about whether um, the central bank will increase the um, uh, amount of quantitative easing. So having talked about it with the Italian uh, markets, uh, the Bank of England is also buying uh, UK gilts, which are what our sovereign bonds are called. So they announced back in March that they were buying 200 billion pounds worth of bonds in a quantitative easing plan to pump money into the economy to help lubricate uh, the uh, the works at a time when everything was falling off the edge of a cliff. Uh, the likelihood is that they probably will increase this because they they've got through the QA, uh, this, amount, this amount, quite quickly. They haven't finished getting through it, but it's uh, been whittled down pretty quickly. So it's likely that they'll increase that quantitative easing um, uh, amount. We also are likely uh, to get an update on um, this um, their monetary policy, the outlook for inflation and all sorts of stuff. There won't be any um, press uh, statement or press conference, I should say, uh, because they just haven't got one planned this week. Uh, but uh, that's a it's a big, big week or uh, certainly a big day, I should say, for the UK market. So mm. uh, with some horrendous moves in the FTSE uh, on Friday with that big outside day and the market struggling today, uh, it just really depends on what happens with um, the likes of BT's announcements and whether they're going to cut their dividend as well. Um, I, I, I think we might find the FTSE up struggling a little bit, but um, um, we'll know more from our central bank on um, uh, Thursday afternoon.
Yeah, you said we've got BT and we've got International uh, Hotel, Intercontinental Hotels Group as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Gosh, I mean, that just could be horrendous. I mean, what do, I think they own, is it, is it Holiday Inn do they own? I think they do, don't they? Um, IHG. But um, yeah, some, some big announcement there. And the US markets, we've still, you mentioned Walt Disney earlier on, Adrian. We've also got the car manufacturers. And we also just mentioned those as well, how, how tough that industry is going to be. We've got Fiat Chrysler and also General Motors. Um, you know, yeah. um, but um, tough numbers, tough numbers. Um, okay, other stuff we've also got before we get the BOE uh, on Friday, on Thursday, we've got uh, this report on the service sector in China and it's produced by uh, this uh, independent organization. So it's called the Cakes in um, Services PMI data. Um, remember China's uh, emerged from the lockdown a lot earlier uh, than, than than even, the, even Italy and other European countries because it got the infection a lot earlier. It's been fighting it really since Christmas, believe it or not. Um, so uh, they, they are starting to emerge and, and that number will be quite interesting uh, on Thursday early morning before we wake up. Uh, we've also got some a trade balance as well that will start to show some improvement as well, we expect. Um, so that's uh, before our data on uh, from the Bank of England. Then Friday, um, onto the main event, which we're on holiday for, uh, along with France, actually, um, is the non-farm employment change. Um, just to remind everyone that it's called non-farm because it excludes the farming sector, sector which is uh, uh, incredibly seasonal and it distorts the numbers. So they call it non-farm. To you and me, Adrian, let's just call it unemployment data or as they call it, employment change. Um, massive, we know it's gonna be massive um, because um, the initial claims from Thursday, which I forgot to mention of 3 million, when you add that on to it, I, I think it might be more than 21 million actually. I mean, if you look at the unemployment claims on the week yeah. from Thursday, click on that graph there, you can see you can see how appalling the weekly data has been. I just think it could be worse, but an unemployment rate of 16%. Wow, we were talking about an, un yeah, that's right. So you can see, you can add all those up, Adrian, to work out how bad that's been. And the unemployment well, rate I, of 16%. I'm shifting this, sure, a lot of shifting this across because it's distorting things. So normally you'd look at what, a uh, couple of hundred, 150,000 new jobs created on a on a typical month yeah. over the last however many years and yeah it's 150,000 suddenly as you saw last month was a fall of 701,000 I mean it just makes the other months just look like nothing don't they ridiculous Correct. um 16% yeah I mean that's from such a um a relatively low well almost arguably full employment at what 3 3.5 3.6 2.7% 2.8% levels um well, we, 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 we've been at multi-decade lows in terms of uh, uh, the unemployment rate in the United States, as we had been uh, in uh, other Western economies. But it's extraordinary. A, a lot of these jobs will be, temp uh, job losses will be temporary, uh, perhaps. Uh, but it is just, and this is why I find it difficult to really consider that the, you know, the, the, the stock markets in the US represent reality. Um, mm. But the reality is that they're getting a lot of help from central banks and um, and the government. But uh, it's yeah. pretty shocking. 16%. Wow. Anyway, but if you are trading on Friday, I'll people probably be watching. Them. 
just uh, losing so you a bit there. Just, yeah. just losing you a bit there, yeah, Jerry. It's, but it's, it seems uh, to be the same, Aidan, doesn't it? Groundhog Day. <laughs> I'll probably uh, work, walk across my driveway in France. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm I'm definitely losing you a yeah, bit there, Jerry, at the end. Um, but uh, don't worry, I'll 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 finish us off. So um, I think really what Jerry is saying is just be a little bit careful okay. on uh, Friday's trading. There's going to be some big moves sure. I, I we expect because it's normally you know when it comes to data, it's about how close you are to expectations, and expectations are a bit of a um, finger in the air job right now with with numbers like that so uh, just be a little bit mindful uh, really of that with your trading um, otherwise um, we'll be back as ever next uh, week for the podcast and so uh, please do make sure you tune in for that that'll be next Monday um, and if you're interested in learning a trading strategy to help you to take on these markets we do live trading webinars every uh, week and we'll be happy to go through and we'd love to see you online to go through one of these um, there as well. So if you'd like to tune into one of our events, you can do that very, very simply going to bit.ly slash learn TS and you can register for one of our uh, free place, one of our live trading events. So we host three events each week, bit.ly slash learn TS. And we'll look forward to seeing you online at one of those. But otherwise, everyone stay safe and uh, hopefully you're surviving this lockdown uh, in a very healthy way, uh, mentally and physically. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing you online again uh, for yep. the podcast in the future. All the best, everybody. And, and if you can still, if you can still hear me, all, all the best. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, we can. All right, bye bye.